This episode of the Full English Breakfast is produced in association with New In Chess Magazine. Visit newinchess.com. It really is as good as they say. This is Magnus Carlsen. This is Levon Aronian. This is Nathan Allen. Karen Aronian. This is Mike Weber. And you hear This is International Master Lawrence Trent, Grandmaster Stephen Gordon, and Macaulay Peterson, and you're listening to the Full English Breakfast. On the one-year anniversary of our reboot, it's episode number 14 for those keeping score at home. Thanks very much for joining us. We're going to be trying out some new segments, plus we'll check in with the Frenchman with two names, Grandmaster Maxime Bachelet-Grave, and for the interview, none other than Judith Polgar. But first, a new bit we're calling Pub Talk. So, Stephen, you're up. Tell me what you're talking about at the pub this week. My recent meeting with the world number three. I uh, I got the chance to meet Levin Aronian a couple of weekends ago at the Bundesliga. So that was pretty cool. He um, he just flew in for one game. I think it was just after um, the Bilbao tournament that he was in. And it must have been a massive surprise for his opponent. He's for Berlin and they were playing against Werder Bremen. And it was a shock upset that they managed to create in that match. Um, in fact, Aronian, guess what, guys? He was on board too. Oh yeah, who was top board? Well, it's one of uh, it's one of the other Armenians. Um, Sargassian. Nope. No. Obsessian. Nope. Akopian. Nope. <laughs> Crikey, there are so many good Armenians now. Um, <laughs> which this one? Guy. This guy as well. This guy beat Gashimov in that match. Um, Melkomian. Ah, Melkomian. He was actually Aronian second in Bilbao. Wow. The rumor I heard is that um, Aronian agreed to play for this team, but he said, uh, you know, I want my guy on board one so that he gets the best possible matchups. Um, and he did fantastic in the first week, and he scored two and a half out of three for Berlin on board one. Aronian came in, and yeah, it must have been a massive shock. He played Fresene with the black pits on two, and he, he put him away quite convincingly. So that did wonders for their team. They knocked out one of the big guys, Werder Bremen 6-2 in that match. So they started the season really well. All right, great. So, Lawrence, uh, over a pint at your local pub, what's news? Well, I mean, apart from your Gaddafis and, you know, leaked videos and you Strictly Come Dancings and that sort of nonsense, what I'm interested in is the rebirth of a star, a prodigy that has uh, illuminated the chess world, none other than Grandmaster Matthew Sadler, who, after... I think something in the region of 10 years working professionally, I think he worked in IT, um, has come back to play a bit of chess. But he hasn't just come back. He has come back and won every single tournament he's played in. He has astonished everybody because he was always one of the most talented players England has ever produced. I think he got up to about 26.50, was considered in the group with uh, Adams and Short and then went off the radar but for him to come back and be able to put in the results in Barcelona in Oslo where he won both of those tournaments is just I'm speechless because clearly what he has demonstrated is that from a talent perspective 
he is still an absolutely world-class player. And I think it's great for English chess, Stephen. I think it's fantastic because this is a guy who could potentially start playing again either in competitions domestically or even for the national team. Well, it's, it's fantastic what he's done. I mean, as well, his style of play is quite offbeat and yet he's managed to come in and, and, and play in this way and just absolutely dominate tournaments. Yeah, it looks as though new lease of life. He's, he's playing a lot again and uh, if he was available to play for England, they would have a really, really strong side. Should be competing for a top place at an Olympiad or a European team champs. Well, he, he doesn't seem to show any signs of letting up just yet. It was uh, announced this week that he's going to be playing in the C group in the next Tata Steel tournament in Vikenze in January. Alright, moving on. This past weekend I stopped by the last round of the Unive tournament in Hogovain, the Netherlands. Uh, that's a four-player field with Vladimir Kramnik, who won the event, Anish Giri, Maxim Bashelagov, and Judith Polgar playing. New segment, 60 seconds with. We spent 60 seconds with French number 1, Grandmaster Maxime Bashelagov, who had just celebrated his 21st birthday the day before. Happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so, playing on your birthday, awesome or annoying? Well, I mean, generally, it shouldn't be too annoying. It basically makes no difference, in fact, except maybe for the fact that you don't want to lose because you want to party a bit after the game, something like this. And also, maybe you're a bit more busy in the in the morning, I mean, instead of preparing and answering all the messages and so on, yeah. Well, most people don't necessarily like to follow news during a tournament, but you're still on Facebook, you're still doing your normal routine? Yes, kind of. I mean, anyway, I couldn't, like, work uh, all the time on chess, so, I mean, I have to get my mind uh, a bit fresher, yeah? Well, it seems like, you know, as you get more famous, this uh, two names nickname is, is also growing. And, and I, I mean, I saw even Anish is using it in tweets, you know, you're saying people use it. But what do you think about it? Do you like this nickname? I think it's very cool. I mean, probably uh, as a p- person who used it at first uh, didn't mean it that cool way, but uh, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I like it very much. I mean, I, I was kind of used, like, uh, to get many nicknames when I was a child because, of course, uh, Vachilagrave in French is not that usual and doesn't necessarily mean something so great. But, uh, of course, I didn't care a lot about it. But, uh, anyway, I think it's cool, yeah? Okay, nicknames as a child, I mean, it's, of course, something you, you get from... Z- from those 10 years old kids, I mean, it cannot be cool, yeah, it's just normal. But uh, Frenchman with two names is very cool. What do you think of this little four-person crown group? It's kind of unusual. Yeah, it's kind of unusual, but actually it makes it very friendly. I mean, we kind of know each other between all the players, and it's not too much a long tournament, so, I mean, you, uh, you actually have to be in good physical shape from the start. I mean, you can afford to begin badly when it's like 10 ones or something, but when it's 6, I mean, if you begin bad, then you have to react very quickly, yeah? Okay, last thing. Tell us something we don't know, which could either be something about you or something about the world in general. Something we don't know? Uh, I mean, you know, the knowledge is not universal, so I, I'm not sure I can be of any help, yeah? 
Well, I love Maxime getting a little bit philosophical there. Yeah, yeah, he was. Can you tell us something we don't know, Lawrence? Do you know what? I can, but I'd have to kill you. No, he's a, he's a good lad. We've, we've met him quite a few times, haven't we, Steve? Yeah, actually? met him once or twice. Really nice guy, yeah, yeah. He always uh, he always says hello when I see him. Putting in the big big performances with the big guys now. Yeah. Getting invited to four-player old playoffs. It's looking good for the guy. And just 21 years old as well. Wish I was that good when I was 21, Lawrence. I think I'll be wish I was that good at any age in my life, actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a talent, isn't he? But very nice bloke. And... and I might add, a listener to the show. Also, the latest member of the 2700 Club to do our intro. What more do we want? I mean, you know, we hate the French, don't we? So, I mean, this clearly, <laughs> you know, this is good for international relations right here. Oh, yeah, commiserations, of course, to Maxim if he is listening for the rugby uh, you were never going to win it anyway, so um, you know let's just uh, let's just all accept that New Zealand are the best team in the world. But who have they got now? Um, that's a pretty handy footballer. I'll tell you, one handy footballer is uh, the subject of our next segment, the FEB Roundup, and that was Alexander Morozievich, who I saw uh, playing a little football in Beale this summer. But he has been back to some serious, serious chess, most recently at a new round-robin event in Saratov, Russia. Yeah, so he's back in the top 10, scoring 8.5 out of 11, 2,900-plus performance. And I think the most amazing thing is is how he's done it, because this is a guy who is compared to a modern-day Tal in many ways. He's creative, but... Of course, what's plagued him is his consistency, and I think he he had a really bad period quite recently and took a break. Yeah, he had taken quite a long break, but but leading up to that break, he had actually fallen down below 2,700. Quite a, a losing streak for him. Took some time off, actually did some coaching down in Qatar. With Zuchem. And now back in very top form, coming up to, to number nine, and we'll certainly expect to see him uh, getting some, some invites in 2012 as well. He's just so good, isn't he, Steve, for the spectators? Because I remember when he when he played in that tournament in Mexico, the World Championship tournament, he's playing Kramnik. And he's like, well, what do you do against Kramnik with White? Do you play E4 and go down to Berlin? Do you play D4 and go down some other solid... Queen's Indian line. Now I'll just play one night C3 and, and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? He's that sort of player. Yeah, it's great. He, he mixes things up and he, make, he makes it happen on the chessboard. He's very exciting to watch and, and just, yeah, every game there's something original going on. And maybe the reason for a, a dip in form is that he, he was probably pushing it a little bit too much with his creativity. But, you know, if you find a right balance and you, he's obviously got gears, this guy can play in any way at chess. Um, if, you, if you find a good balance, then you can have a performance like this. So he scored eight and a half out of 11. That is something ridiculous, isn't it? It's out of this world against the field where everyone, bar two people, out of the 12, we're over 2,700, so really great result, and it's, it's great to see him back in action. Well, another big event finishing earlier this month, the Grand Slam Masters Final. This year it was split between Bilbao, which is the traditional home of the event, and Sao Paulo, Brazil. A couple of nice things, they returned to playing inside a glass cube, which they had tried uh, during the first two years, but then... Uh, with a change of venue last year, had had uh, gotten rid of the cube. So this year it was back. Plus, they also returned to a six-player field. Last year they had slimmed down to four, largely due to uh, budget cuts and the economic crisis in Spain, which is ongoing. The Sao Paulo co- 
co-sponsors quite a, a long trek for these guys to to acclimate to the time change and they were given uh, several days in between but the the character of the tournament also changed when they got back to Spain the first half was totally dominated by Vasily Ivanchuk who had an amazing uh, run uh, and then in the end little by little Magnus Carlsen caught up to him and in fact uh, they were tied at the end of the event and Carlsen won the two game playoff so he was the Grand Slam Masters final winner well do you know what I just think it's absolutely outrageous how Carlson does it. He always gets himself into the situation where he can play for a tournament win. I just think it's brilliant. I'm I'm in awe of the guy. That's not to say that the other guys... I mean, look at Ivanchuk in that tournament. What a great first week. It's just a shame that the wheels came off slightly towards the end. But, uh... but I think, obviously, we, we haven't mentioned, of course, the unfortunate incident uh, that happened to, to Ivanchuk when he... Uh, he was obviously robbed. He wasn't robbed in the playoff by Carlson. No, he was actually robbed at <laughs> at gunpoint in Sao Paulo as he was leaving for the airport. If you can believe that. Yeah, if that was it was just incredible. Now I know he won his game against Nakamura, which was incredible given the circumstances. But these other things had probably affected him, and he didn't he didn't manage to put together such as a good second half. But I think this this three point structure, the football scoring system, suits Carlson down to the ground because he won he won London. He's now won Bilbao. It gives him that chance because he loves winning so much and he wants to beat everybody with both colours and um, he's got the determination to do it. I think players are genuinely quite frightened of him now. That's it. When he gets an unclear position against someone or he makes it a bit of a mess, he's unbelievable. I think he's by far the best when, when that happens. Some kind of imbalance where it's a bit, it's a bit new. He just handles it so well. And top players are scared. Okay, so guys... There's been rumours flying about, and it was a bit of a hot topic at the start of Bilbao. So what is this that I'm hearing about Nakamura teaming up with the greatest chess player we've ever witnessed? Well, hold on, mate. I know I've played all right in the past, but, you know, I, I haven't done anything with him at all recently. Oh, so wow. That's an ego <laughs> right there. So go on, Macaulay. Rumour has it that you know quite a lot about this new story. All right, all right, all right. So, so Hikaru Nakamura, are you working with Gary Kasparov? His, his official response was, no comment, but you can believe it if you want to. And surprisingly, the story then went away. And as it happens, this was uh, something that I had been uh, working on for, for quite a while, uh, and finally, uh, once uh, it, it was clear that this was not going to be kept a secret for anybody for any longer, uh, Nakamura contacted me to to set up an interview, and we uh, we talked all about it on the record in Bilbao just before the second half of the tournament got underway, uh, which became the the basis of an upcoming eight page story in the current issue of New and Chess Magazine. Uh, in addition to uh, hearing all of the backstory on Nakamura's work with Kasparov, Gary himself also comments on it in his column. Which uh, which should be interesting. This has managed to to be kept under wraps since back in January when they started working together. Oh wow! Back in January, just before uh, Vikingze, uh, which of course Nakamura won his biggest success. The current issue will be uh, with Peter Svidler on the cover. It's hitting mailboxes as we speak. Well, you got to read the story for yourself, but uh, I'll just say that he's had a, a lot of ups and downs 
this year. And it's, it's interesting to uh, see how their collaboration has progressed, especially relative to uh, Carlson's work with Kasparov, which was from February of 2009 uh, for just over one year. What are your thoughts on that, Lawrence? Well, I mean, I was, I was a bit shocked when I heard, but then I thought, hold on a second. I, I have to admit, I thought I saw something different with Nakamura's play. He's got this newfound hunger. He was already an extremely ambitious player, and we've known that for years. But he's just he's just really set his stall out this year and said, "Look, I want to be the best." I am, you know, when you know when he was playing the U.S. Championships, or rather, not playing it. His focus on these big tournaments. There was a reason for this, and you know, with his work with Kasparov, that is now clear, he is really aiming. I think he really has got his sights set on the twenty eight hundred club and beyond. I think it's it's going to be a great little collaboration there. I mean, I think I think personality wise, Nakamura and Kasparov are going to have a lot in common. If there's one man you want to work with on this earth. Apart from Stephen Gordon, it's Gary Kasparov. Oh, stop it! Well, you. you're a nice guy. Oh, uh, you know. Wow. I, and, Let's not and, do this here. Let's not do this now. I remember me and you. We used to go out for romantic dinners. We used to have nice little gym <laughs> sessions together. Well, I think Kasparov's only second best to you. If I'm going to be honest. Oh wow, this is too much for me. Well. Speaking of Nakamura, he uh, was one of the five players in our caption contest from Bilbao. This was also a new experiment on our Facebook page. Big thanks to the uh, eight or nine people who submitted some comments. I'll try to provide some better fodder for, uh, for our next go at this. But you can still uh, have your, your say uh, if you want to come up with something better. Facebook.com forward slash the FEB. And since this is a serious news show, we of course have to delve into the scandal that almost was on the first day of the Bilbao half. Nothing to do here with the Ivan Shuk getting robbed, tragic as that was, but this is a story that you have not read about. Here's a clip. Magnus, how is the glass cube? Is uh, the condition is working properly? Truth be told, I think there are some things that can be improved in the, in the glass cube, but... Um... But, um, yeah, let's not uh, talk about that right now. Last year here, we had the the uh, little glassed-in area instead of the cube. But I remember when we had the cube in the square, uh, especially in the first round, um, you had mentioned that you could hear some of, of Leoncho's commentary outside. Is, is Was that a problem again today, or is any, anything wrong? There? No, I heard some noise, but I couldn't make out anything, so I think it's okay. As Magnus just mentioned that, that there was something uncomfortable. Was it too hot or something, or what? Well, let's not get into it. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll give you guys each a guess. What were Magnus Carlsen and Vishianan talking about? <laughs> wow. I literally have no idea. I'd be making a stupid suggestion as well. Keep in I... mind, also, there's commentary, amplified commentary for the public going on right outside the glass cube. Oh, it's clear what's going on. There's hands on heads. There's all sorts of gasps and groans. He's made a blunder. Oh, He's wow. made an inaccuracy. Carlson looks up from his table. He's played some move. And all the fans, no, no, no. And he can see what's going wrong. Is uh, that uh, totally wrong. Totally off track. Is, you know the glass? Is it 
can the players see out of the glass as well? Slightly, yes, yes. It's not okay because you can... would have thought that um, to prevent that they do it so that it's visible for one side and not for the other, like so. they do in interrogation rooms. Yeah, yeah, that's all. They could have yeah. tried the lighting a little bit differently, but no. I mean, they are a little bit like in a fishbowl. They can see people seeing in, but I didn't hear any problems about reading spectators' body language. I'll give you a hint. This is a soundproof glass cube, keep in mind. So that means when you leave the glass cube, it's no longer soundproof. Now, why would you have to leave the glass cube? This is a big hint. For the toilet, of course. Exactly. But they're in the middle of this large public space. And the nearest toilet, you know, is a pretty good walk away. Plus, there's, you know, there's lots of public using it as well. So they can't do that. So they had to bring in porta-potties. Oh, God, right. That's nice for the world champion. <laughs> Two interesting things. One, the porta-potty is just outside of the playing space. There, It's in this tent that's kind of enclosing the, the back side of the cube. But that part is not soundproof. That's beautiful. So whenever a player wants to get up to go to the bathroom, an assistant sitting at the arbiter's table, he actually presses a button that flashes a red light on the commentator's table outside so that to make sure that they're not talking about that particular player's game when he's going to the chime. That's incredible. Outrageous. They had to devise this, this system. But the problem was in the first day the lock on the porta potty was not working so well. Nakamura walk, waltzing in on Carlson taking a number two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. that, that'll be one for Kingpin. <laughs> uh, I'd say that, that's be, that's a beautiful story. I mean, it really puts another twist on the toilet gate. Joining us for the interview uh, was another member of the Univa Crown Group in Hokavain, and that was Grandmaster Judith Polgar, former top 10 player and the strongest woman of all time. Uh, she actually came last, but she's had a phenomenal year in 2011, including winning the European Championship and qualifying to the World Cup, where she also played phenomenally well, reaching the quarterfinals only to be knocked out by the eventual winner, Peter Svidler. Uh, she was actually due to be at this event that I uh, produced commentary for in St. Louis, the Kings versus Queens, which we talked about last month, but had to cancel at the last minute uh, to be replaced by Martha Fierro. So I was very glad to have a chance to sit down with her last week in Hohoven. Well, this is my 10th time to come to Hohoven for me and uh, the tournament, uh, the whole series started 15 years ago. Well, I was here in the very beginning and the first couple of uh, events. Basically, I am playing so many times, uh, big part because uh, the system is that way that the best woman player plays an Axwell champion, the latest junior champion and the best Dutch player is playing. So I was, during all those years, uh, number one. And when I was away, I was either not very active or giving birth to my children. In the beginning, the Glass Museum was uh, part of the sponsor, and we were playing with glass pieces. So in the first year, it was uh, kind of very strange that we play with glass pieces. I mean, you, you might think that it's very vulnerable, and you might uh, uh, take a piece not by taking it, but actually breaking it. <laughs> Uh, but after the first one, it was very nice, and uh, we felt that basically for classical games it can be something to use. 
And uh, and the people were very nice already in the beginning, very enthusiastic uh, local people in the city, and and this this was always a very nice atmosphere. And also, usually to to meet the the world champions is also something special. The whole event is is interesting. I'm very happy that uh, I'm I'm still back time to time, and uh, still feel this very friendly and familiar uh, atmosphere. You mentioned coming back here after periods of inactivity. This year is certainly an ex- exception. You've been quite active and had a lot of good successes between the European Championship then getting to the World Cup. And I know fans in, in the U.S. in particular were curious to see how far you could go. Well, the World Cup, it was, uh, it was one, of, one of my best results ever. So I must admit that I was kind of uh, surprised myself by this result as well. Not only maybe my fans. or Somehow luck was definitely on my side and I, I did a very good uh, fighting during the event. My match against Dominguez uh, was, was the toughest from sportive point of view that we played really the, the classical games itself already, especially in game two, which uh, I managed to win and equalize the match by that. And then the playoffs were really energy-sucking uh, match, and it was, I'm sure, great uh, sportive uh, games to follow. I played pretty well, and actually the, already in the European Championship in the spring, uh, I played some of the games very well, and, and the way I was proud of it. Which, which is very difficult to make myself happy about my play. You mean because you're very... No, because I'm very critical, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you say this is one of your best results ever. Of course, you've had so many because you've been decades playing among the top uh, grandmasters. One thing I was, I was curious about, if, if it surprised you that, that through these decades there hasn't yet managed to be another woman who's been able to, to get uh, as far as you, as high as you in rating and tournament results and otherwise? Well, generally, I think in principle, of course, it's possible, but there are different reasons that one or another didn't achieve that high uh, performance. Uh, Generally, one of the critical parts is uh, that they don't put their goals very high. Okay, they put their goals being a a woman world champion, but they don't put their goals being a 2800. Obviously, if they would put uh, their goals that it's really, really on the the highest level, then probably some of them even would reach uh, better results. But uh, there are different reasons, I think, that they don't play around 2,700. Well, one of them is maybe some of them were, were never taking it as seriously as as, as some of the men or, or, or me, myself. But on the other hand, uh, also, in, for example, in China, probably they get all the support, but from the government, they need a woman world champion, so that's the the highest goal for them and also after being world champion after that in china if you look at it some of the players there are 20 something and then they they disappear and the new generation new ones are coming it's difficult for a woman also to be professional but also i see that uh, there are a lot of women uh, well i don't know whether it's a lot or not but at least five, ten who are uh, practicing and and taking it seriously already uh, as a profession. So obviously they they might be later on uh, becoming better. And I'm sure there will be will be more girls uh, in China, in India, maybe who are taking it really seriously and aiming for the really the the highest level. She sounds lovely, doesn't she? Very interesting points there about why she is the only one to reach 2700 and why uh, so many talented girls and, and women 
now on the circuit, probably a greater number of 2,500 strength girls and above playing than ever, and yet it seems that they can't get above that. Only Humpy and Ho Yufan have, have managed to actually get to 26, haven't they? There's, there's one or two Russians who are, who are giving it a good goal. The Cousin Saver sisters are... Uh... Very strong players, and I'm sure there's uh, there's one or two others that should be mentioned. In fact, there's been an absolutely massive performance recently by Zhao Zhu. Am I saying that right, Macaulay? Zhao Zhu, I, w- I would say. And yeah, she uh, had a breakout performance, uh, 9.5 out of 11, out in, in Nalchik at the uh, the third Women's Grand Prix. So yes, that was a, a huge effort. I, it, it surprises me a little bit that uh, that they haven't broken through, but Polgar uh, still has some aspirations for herself, uh, getting a little bit more active. And so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she can build on her successes in 2011. Uh, going forward, I suspect Hungary are um, they're going to make a big noise actually at this European Team Championships that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Hungary are my tip for uh, causing a bit of an upset at the top there. We've got the London Chess Classic in just over a month, guys. Bit of trivia for you: Why is this an unprecedented tournament? What is it? What's special about the the, the upcoming London Chess Classic? It's a bit of a random guess, but. I suspect there's never been three 2,800 players playing in a tournament together, ever. You're absolutely correct, except that you're wrong, because Vladimir Kramnik on the live list is 2,799.6, so it actually means there are currently four 2,800s signed up for the London Chess Classic. There's just one problem, though. All four of those guys are also playing in the Tom Memorial at the end of November. What a shame! You're going to have to just completely wipe that off the podcast now. <laughs> well, we'll talk about London much more on the next show. Uh, we're also supposed to be joined by uh, Grandmaster Nigel Short uh, for the next show, which will be coming up the week before London. We'll also hear a little more from Judith Polgar and her thoughts on the Women's World Championship, which will be uh, coming up in Albania, of all places. But for now, that about does it for us at the Full English Breakfast. It's been a pleasure, guys. I've enjoyed this one. You can tweet us at the FEB Show. Check us out on Facebook. And uh, thank you very much to New Inchest for helping us out with this episode. Newinchest.com, guys. Go there. Get a subscription if you want to see this next issue with coverage of the World Cup and all the news that's fit to print on the Kasparov-Nakamura partnership. The story's called The Spirit of St. Louis... It's an interesting story, and I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. Yeah, maybe it's me going slightly mad in my old age. Moisture is the essence of wetness. Um, <laughs> when it's a picture of five guys looking at the sky. Um, I, I appreciate the profound nature of your comment, and it may very well be true. I just don't see how that relates to the photo, but thank you for the input anyway.